وَأَقُولُوا فِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ آيَاتُهُ فَهُوَ الْكَرِيمُ الْمُنْزَالُ وَأَقُولُوا قَالَ اللَّهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ وَالْمُصْطَفَى الْهَادِي وَلَا أَتَأَوَّالُ الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته we begin as always with the praise of Allah Azza wa Jal and we begin by asking Allah Azza wa Jal to exalt the mention and grant peace to our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to his family and his companions. In this episode inshallah ta'ala we're going to be talking about home schooling. And to begin with I just want to make it clear to everybody that this lecture is not only for the parents who are thinking about homeschooling their children. In fact the lessons from homeschooling are so valuable, generally speaking, in the tarbiyah of your children, that actually they're applicable to a wide range of people and nearly everybody, inshallah, can take a benefit from taking some time out to learn how homeschooling works, uh, the advantages of it, and also some of the potential uh, pitfalls or errors people might fall into and how we can address those and some of the misconceptions that people might have. And the reason I believe this is applicable to absolutely everybody, or almost everybody, is because as a parent, you are, as we've heard so many times, mas'oolun. You are responsible for your child's education. You're mas'ool. And therefore, having the ability to supplement their education at home, even if it's not a full-time thing, even if it's not a permanent thing, having the ability to learn how to use the tools and the, and the skills of homeschooling to teach your children Islam at home. For example, where Islam, Islamic teaching isn't available in a wider uh, context, for example, or isn't there aren't, for example, madaris or schools for Islamic teaching that you can send your children to. Um, so ultimately, there are many benefits in this for everybody. And I don't want to restrict this to a very small number of people and say, this is an episode specifically for those parents who are homeschooling their children. In fact, really, this is an episode to, for everybody to give consideration to the value of homeschooling and what it can teach us in terms of the tarbiyah of our children and the way that we educate our children. Will everyone watching this video go on to homeschool their child or their children? I think it's almost guaranteed to say that they won't and Allah is with general's best because it's not easy for everybody to do. Although homeschooling is a strange one, it's a one where you sometimes, the things you think might be difficult are easier than you think. And perhaps some of the things you might not have thought about might present some difficulties. And Allah makes easy for whomever he wills, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So really this episode is about an nasiha So I wanted to start with the hadith. The hadith is reported by Imam Muslim in his Sahih from the hadith of Abi Ruqayyah, Tamim ibn Awsim al-Dari, radiyallahu anhu, that he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, al-deenun nasiha This religion is an nasiha And an nasiha it can mean being behaving in a sincere manner towards someone. Behaving in a sincere way towards someone. That's what a nasiha is. Sometimes people try to say as giving advice. And that's that's part of it. Giving advice is part of it. But only the it has a wider context because the hadith talks about giving nasiha to Allah and to his book and to his messenger. So here we need something a little bit more wide, a little wider in scope than just the words of uh, just 
to, to, to offer words of advice. So Adinun Nasiha, this religion is about acting and behaving in a sincere manner and you know behaving as though you sincerely are you are sincere and you sincerely want good. This religion is an nasiha. Kulna liman Tamim al-Dari he said that we said to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, to whom should this nasiha be? Who should we behave in this way towards? Qala lillahi wa li kitabihi wa li rasulihi wa li a'immati muslimina wa ammatihim He said towards Allah and his book and his messenger and towards the leaders of the Muslims and the general people. So this religion, it is based around an nasiha acting in a sincere way and behaving sincerely. And from those that have a right for our sincerity and for us to behave sincerely towards them and to be nasih, someone who wants good for them, are the ordinary Muslims, the people who are you know, the regular Muslims all over the world, every Muslim, regardless of whether they have a status in, the, in society or whether they don't, regardless of whether they have a position of authority or they don't, the Ammat al-Muslimin, the regular general Muslims all over the world, they have a right that we are sincere towards them. And part of behaving sincerely is to offer words of advice. Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ By Allah Azawajal swore by al-asr, by, by time. Indeed, mankind is in a state of loss, except those who believe and do good deeds and advise one another to the truth and advise one another to have patience. So this episode, even though we are going to mention uh, some evidences from the Qur'an and the Sunnah for various points that we want to clarify, but ultimately what this is really about is my nasiha to you as parents or as future parents, my nasiha as it relates to your children's education and my nasiha as it relates to homeschooling your children wherever possible. And I'd already mentioned what I believe to be the dangers of the modern schooling system that we have today. And I believe those dangers are present regardless of whether those schools are Islamic schools or not, regardless of whether they are teaching curricula that are in accordance with Islam or not, those dangers remain there. And the need for education, worldly education also remains, we don't uh, take away from that. So I'm not saying that all of the schools are equal and nobody should ever understand that from me, or ever quote me and say to me that Muhammad Tim said it makes no difference if you send your child to an Islamic school or un-Islamic school. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, the schools are different. They are of many different levels. Some of them are very, very good, and some of them are very, very bad. But ultimately, all of them have significant flaws and dangers for our children. Those dangers can come from the curriculum itself, which propagates all kinds of uh, things, whether it is, it, some of them propagate atheism, some of them propagate uh, religious concepts that are foreign to Islam, uh, some of them propagate the equality of all religions, some of them propagate rebellion 
And by that, I mean rebellion against authority of all kinds, be it parents, be it, you know, question everything, don't accept what you're given, uh, be, you know, break from the people, be different and so on. And often this can, you know, cause a person to the negative effects upon them in terms of their Islam, where they start to uh, reject the authority of those that Allah has given authority over them, like rebelling against their parents and so on. And all of these things can be things that are stoked and fueled by curricula that are designed and made by non-Muslims. At the very least, the minimum you can say is that they didn't consider Islam when they wrote them. And some of them wallah, were shayateen, shayateen, devils. And they wrote these curricula for the purpose of misguiding our children away from the path of Allah. And that is not something which is difficult to imagine. So we say that the best of the non-Muslim curricula, the best you can say about them is that they didn't give consideration to Islam. But as for among the worst of them are those who, it's not difficult to see. When you look at the, the, the content of that curriculum and when you see the schools and the, the ethos of the people that are propagating it, that it was designed for a deliberate purpose to take the people away from the path of Allah. SubhanAllah. And likewise, if the curriculum is sound, the second problem that you have, and bearing in mind with the curriculum, we have another problem is that the Muslim uh, countries many times in many situations have adopted the standards of the non-Muslim curricula because they felt that they had to do that or that was necessary to, to have that standard. And so they have adopted also many of the negative things within those things as well. On top of that, you have the issue of the schools themselves. So let's just imagine the curriculum is, is, is good and pure and correct, but not the ethos of all of the schools. Some of the schools, their ethos is to encourage anti-Islamic activity. And I'm talking about in Muslim countries. Well, and I've seen this, I've seen this with my own eyes, where the encouragement constantly from the teachers, from the school, the ethos of the school, is to take the people away from the path of Allah. Let's just imagine the curriculum is fine and the school is fine. The ethos of the school has good Islamic values and encouragement to obedience to Allah and developing Iman and so on. And the curriculum is sound. Then on top of that, you have the problem of all of those other children that come together from those different households and not all of them have the same values. And you have the problem also of the teachers as well. And that's not to be critical of, of the teachers, but not all teachers have want good for their children or for their students. Some of their teachers, they come with ulterior motives and they come sometimes from other religions. And again, you know, people might say, well, what's the harm if there is a Christian person teaching my child mathematics? But ultimately, anyone who has actually been involved in that situation and seen it, they will see that the person's aqidah, it will come out, la mahala, there is no escape from it. The person's belief, it will come out even if they are teaching you the alphabet or they're teaching you mathematics or they're teaching you science. Ultimately, their aqidah will come out. It will come out. La mahala, there is no escape from it. And it has to happen. And this is something that you can see clearly. And again, will the child pick up on that? Maybe not. Will it be obvious? Perhaps not. Will it be in a way that harms the child? Perhaps not. But these dangers still remain. And even if all of the teachers are fine 
and the school's ethos is strong and the management is strong and the curriculum is strong, then after that you have the other children who come from households that don't all share the same values that you as a parent share. So the, the other child is saying that, oh, my child, uh, you know, my, my mom lets me watch TV, my mom lets me listen to music, lets me watch movies, we're going to the cinema, we're going to go to the concert, we're going to do this and that and the other, uh, you know, and so and so. I play with my female cousins and male cousins mixing together and whatever. And these are from, you know, at the end of the day, Muslim families, we're not, we're not saying they're not Muslim, Muslim families, but they just, they just don't have the same standards you have. And then your child comes home and says, why can't I do these things? And they have this phone and they watch these movies and they do this and they do that. And they don't have to study Islam and they don't have to memorize Quran and they don't have to. This is still a danger. Now, someone may say, and this is a valid point. They may say, but Muhammad Tim, these dangers exist in homeschooling environments as well. And you can't wrap your children up in cotton wool and say that they'll never be exposed to a child who will say that to them. And I say to you, that is true. But the percentage and the amount of exposure is there is no comparison between them. There's no comparison. SubhanAllah, a class of 30 children of which half of them are saying this every day for five hours a day to your child versus one-off situation in a week, in a month, where your child comes across someone like that. There's no way you can compare these two things as being equal. They're not equal in the sight of Allah, nor should they be equal in your eyes. To say that it's this, to say that the exposure to the haram that the child would get, because your child will be exposed to the haram at some point. Yes, that's true. All of us are tested. Allah created this life for us to be tested. You're going to be tested in this life, no doubt. However, whatever you can do to protect your children, and there's no doubt that the control that you have over the environment as a homeschooling parent is way, way more. It is multitudes more than the control that you have when you send your child to school. However, we understand that homeschooling doesn't necessarily work for everyone. So let's explore a little bit about what it is and what are some of the, the ways that we can approach it. And the first thing I want to establish is that homeschooling is about flexibility. So take out of your mind this idea that you have to make a carbon copy of your child's school and set it up at home. For example, your child goes to school, has five lessons a day with five different teachers. The lessons start at 9 a.m. and they finish at 3 p.m. And there is a one hour lunch break in the middle and so on and so forth. As, as, the more you're trying to copy that and paste it, it won't work. It will be difficult for you and you're actually giving up many of the blessings and benefits from homeschooling. So I believe, first of all, even homeschooling as a definition, take out of your mind this idea that homeschooling is about replacing the school one for one. Homeschooling is about flexibility. And that's why I believe it's beneficial for all the parents, because you can part-time homeschool your children. You could send them to school for a year if you thought that was needed, because there is a need. We're not, we're not denying about the need for education. 
You might be in a country where the child has to take the exams in school. They have to sit a year or two years in school. You could part-time. It might be the fact that you're happy with the school in terms of the worldly education, but you would like to homeschool your children on, an, on the Islamic side of things. It might be the fact you want to supplement your children's worldly education because you might have put them in a school where the academic level is not quite as good in order to have a better Islamic environment. And may Allah bless you in that. That's an excellent choice is to sometimes, you know, compromise somewhat on the academic level of the school in order to, uh, you know, perhaps give your child a better uh, environment as it relates to, you know, Islam. But then you might want to supplement it and so on. It may be that you work full time or both parents may work full time and you may have to restructure it around different timings and things like that. Ultimately, this whole idea of rigid um, timings and rigid uh, methods is something which it works for a school. And I'm not here to tell schools how to, how to run their schools. You know, they have experts for that. But you are giving up the advantages of homeschooling if you don't embrace that flexibility. However, I'm going to bring a counterbalance to this. Flexibility doesn't mean a lack of discipline. Just having flexibility doesn't mean that we don't have discipline. Um, and I believe it's really important that you and your children, if you decide to homeschool them, even if you only decide to homeschool them on the weekend, even if you only decide to homeschool them one evening in a week to supplement some kind of education, whatever it might be that you want to do to try things out, to have a go, that it has to come with a degree of seriousness and adab and discipline, manners, and uh, the way that the children are taught to behave. Now, this is also really, really important. So, for example, if you allow the children to just get out of bed and, you know, in their sleeping clothes, just sort of come in and lounge around and, you know, sort of like pick up a book and put down a book and then go out for a while. It, ultimately, if that's the whole model of how you homeschool the children, it is going to cause difficulties because it's going to lead to a lack of discipline and a lack of a work ethic and a lack of adab, a lack of manners and etiquettes. And these things are all things that Islam gave great importance to. For example, it's narrated with regard to the sittings of Imam Ahmed that there were around 5,000 or more people used to come to the sittings. 500 of them used to write hadith and the rest of them used to learn manners and behavior from the Imam rahimahullah ta'ala. They used to learn how to behave and used to learn manners. So it is important that we have the kind of manners and discipline from that. But here's where we can draw upon a rich Islamic uh, history and Islamic material that exists to teach our children. And one of the most amazing things you can do with homeschooling is to fuse the benefits that you take from your Islamic education and those that you have from the worldly sciences as well. And this is how, you know, really, I believe this is how it should be, my advice, and this is how it should be, is that this whole concept of secular education, we should just take it and throw it out. This whole idea of secular education, that we separate the Islamic etiquettes and knowledge and, and manners and, and the way that we learn 
and we separate the things that we do in our learning for the worldly life and we never allow any of the two to cross. This is secularism. This comes from secularism. It doesn't come from Islam. Rather, in Islam, we want to take those benefits. For example, what's to say that we can't teach our children the adab, the etiquettes of studying from the Islamic sources, where they're far stronger and far more robust and far more uh, have far more uh, haya, far more modesty and far more benefit in them, and then encourage our children to apply the etiquettes of uh, learning and studying in Islam, the culture of hifth, you know, as another example, the culture of memorizing, and we've spoken about it, how important it is to memorize, and we encourage our children to apply that to the worldly sciences in an appropriate way, because not everything is going to be the same. No doubt the person who teaches you mathematics is not the same as the person who teaches you uh, Quran. However, uh, there are also ways to connect the two. Take, for example, the, uh, the material that our children read when they learn English, for example. Take a, as an example the, uh, the, the examples that our children do in mathematics and in sciences and so on. Why can't we find ways to tie this to Islam? Let alone topics like history, which overlap in the first place, even though generally most of the Western curricula have completely erased Islam entirely from history as though it didn't exist. But the opportunities for you as a homeschooling parent to reintegrate the worldly teaching and the Islamic teaching. And that doesn't mean that we place the two on a level and it doesn't mean we use the same methods for both or that we, we consider each one of them to be the same, but just to find ways to overlap, ways to integrate the two and ways to provide a strong Islamic identity to our children, even when they're studying worldly sciences and to move away from this complete separation of the two. And like we said, Islam has a fantastic tradition of studying and learning and uh, respect for the teacher, manners and etiquettes that subhanAllah, your child could benefit from immensely as it relates to their regular education and taking it seriously as well. So that I believe is also an important part of, of the benefits of what you can achieve. This flexibility and the ability to integrate things how many times have you said, oh, I just wish that my child would be able to study Islam a bit more? You know, they have maths and English and science and history and geography and, you know, all of these things. But, you know, even in some of the Islamic schools, the Islamic component of teaching is very small. The thing is, as a homeschooling parent, you have the flexibility to choose. You can increase it. You can, you can teach Islam two thirds of the time and you can teach the worldly sciences one third of the time or more or less or however you want because it ultimately it is your decision how you formulate that education and also flexibility goes even further than that flexibility goes even further than that it even goes to the extent where you change things around depending on the the child and depending on the different times of the year when you're busy or the different times when you're not, like who said that you have to have school holidays from June until September? 
or something like that. There's no, there's no rule that says a homeschooling parent has to do that. A parent who's a home educator has to do that. There's no, there's no rule for that. You can adapt things. There may be times according to the seasons where, for example, in the winter, we might have in some places long nights and short days. And so you may want to change things around. You can change things around according to your children and how they feel. And that you don't have to stick to one particular method or one particular standard as long as you still maintain a degree of adab, a degree of etiquette and discipline as it relates to, to studying. Now, one of the ways I was mentioning, and I did allude to it earlier, as it relates to maintaining uh, discipline is that you just encourage the children to take it as something as, as being different from the normal home life. And this is one of the real genuine things a lot of parents mention, a lot of difficulties that parents have, is they say that we find that our children run riot, you know, at home. Like they, they run around and play around and they're children. You know, they, 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 they have fun with each other and they play games. And when we tell them to study at home, they don't, they can't do it, you know, like they, because for them, the school is a different place and their behavior is different and the home is a different place. I think, first of all, there's a number of issues or advice I would offer in that regard. I think, first of all, it's probably not, a, not an ideal element of tarbiyah to have our children see that the home has no limits at all and that they can, you know, break anything or jump off anything or run around any way they like. I think that in terms of the tarbiyah, we need to kind of just adjust that to make, even though children should, should definitely have their time to play and enjoy themselves, and they should be allowed to make mistakes. And we'd heard about the hadith of Anas, the Prophet, and used to have a go at him about the things that he did that were not related to the religion. But it's also important that we, we emphasize this etiquette and adab and manners and have our children in a balance in that way. Not that when they enter the house, we, we lock the door and say, you know, run right. And when they go out, we tell them, you know, you have to be really well-mannered. Because ultimately what that can do is that actually, uh, it actually encourages the children to misbehave around their parents, not to respect their parents and so on. And then it encourages them that when they go into that school environment, they, they you know, they suddenly behave and, until they get home. Also, one of the, the things we can do to change this mentality is to make homeschooling something distinct for our children. And that's something that I personally do uh, when it comes to homeschooling time. It's not like you get up in your sleep clothes and you lounge around. It is that you come to school, you get ready for school. Um, it doesn't have to be a uniform as such, although you could adopt an Islamic dress uniform. Why not? If you wanted to, if you thought that was beneficial, because the uniform is there to instill the identity. And we could say like you have to wear your Islamic clothing or you have to wear something, you know, at least you have to wear some nice clothing. And you sit down, maybe you transform the room. Even if you have a small room, even if you have one room, you put things away, toys go away, uh, games go away. And then what do you do? You bring out the, you know, the desk, the table, or if they sat on the floor, the, 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 like what they're resting on to write. And maybe the teacher would sit on a chair or would sit at the front and they would respect that this is a different situation. Now this is a different environment. And that is going to take time. Parents should not think that that's going to be an instant. You know, in one moment, my child is just going to, just going to switch. But helping them to feel a bit more like school, having, for example, a cupboard or a, 
some a drawer which is full of school uh, supplies you know take your textbooks take your uh, your school bags or whatever it might be or your boxes from the cupboard and you take your pens and paper out and you sit down and you prepare for school okay school's finished now you can put your things away you can bring out your toys and your games and you can play that kind of thing can help the children to maintain that little bit of discipline so it is about flexibility that's a major major part of of the homeschooling of the benefits of homeschooling is that aspect of flexibility and also from the major benefits is that we are, we want to try to encourage that those adab and those etiquettes and manners that are a part of uh, a part of Islam and here i would like to, to sort of bring in a point which i believe is really important and that is just because you homeschool your children doesn't mean that your children would never go uh, to quote-unquote school of some kind subhanallah in fact it's, it's the opposite i wouldn't recommend that at all um, if your children have chance to attend halaqat uh, islamic lectures or your children have uh, the ability to perhaps attend a, an is islamic uh, events or gatherings or even to attend um, conferences uh, like uh, workshops that are organized for children there is no harm in this because you as a parent have far greater control. You know, for example, you, there may be a science and technology workshop where the children are going to get together and they're going to learn about some of the sciences in a practical way. And you can go and have a look as a parent and decide if that environment is going to be suitable for your child or whether there's going to be some mahvurat, some haram going on there. And if you feel that it's suitable for your child, there's no reason why you can't send your child to that for a few hours or something like that. There's no reason why you as a parent can't simulate that if you want to. And definitely as it relates to the Islamic lectures, classes, madaris even. Uh, for example, I know uh, parents that homeschool their children and their children go to a tahfiv uh, madrasa, a school for the memorization of the Quran. But that is what, that's, you know, that is in that aspect, but the rest of their education they receive at home. So this is also something which is very beneficial uh, for you as a parent. And I wanted to quote something to you in this, just to give you a bit of inspiration, because sometimes you might think, well, from the point of nasiha, this is a nasiha session, you know, giving you some advice and so on. Um, you know, you might feel like, well, do we have something to back this up? So I'm going to quote to you from an Imam Malik ibn Anas, rahimahullah ta'ala, the great Imam Malik. And he said, كانت أمي تلبسني الثياب he said, my mom, my mother, she used to put my clothes on me and she used to make me wear, put my turban on me when I was a small boy. She said, O oh my son, go to the gathering of Rabi'ah and learn from him his behavior and his manners before you learn from him his fiqh and his hadith. Subhanallah. She sent out her son. She got him dressed. She put on his turban. Like we said, you know, this issue of, you know, the etiquette and discipline. She got him ready. She sent him out and she said, go to the gathering of Rabi'ah. 
ابن ربيع ابن ابي عبد الرحمن go to Rabia ibn Abi Abd Rahman and learn from him his behavior and his manners. And here I want to respond to a shubha. And I'm going to call it a shubha because I believe it's a shubha that people have. They say that homeschooling causes your child to be underdeveloped socially. And I think this is, in all honesty, this is I would not hesitate to use the word batil. It is falsehood. It is falsehood. It is absolute falsehood. Because the Salaf al-Salih, they did not send their children to learn adab and to learn behavior from al-Ghilman or Sibyan, from the little boys and girls. They sent their children to learn behavior from the ulama. That's where the children learned manners from and social skills. From, from the gatherings, the majalis of the ulama, that's where they learnt it from. For wallah, I do not see that it is from the guidance of the Salaf al-Salih in any way that you think that your children should learn behavior from children like them. Allahumma, unless it is in within the context of the Islamic gatherings and the Islamic schools, so they see the children who are sitting nicely and they learn from them and so on. This is possible. But this idea that homeschooling deprives your children of social skills, this is, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny in any, in any way at all. And it doesn't stand up to scrutiny either from the point of looking at the children themselves. You see children who are homeschooled with the best of manners. SubhanAllah, so this idea that if I don't send my children to school, they're not going to get social skills, I, mean, I don't think this stands up to scrutiny. There are some areas where there might be, uh, and there may be need for 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 that social development, and this can be solved very simply through two aspects. Number one, as we said, one area where I've mentioned before, where it can be a little tricky, is group work. If you have just one child who you are teaching, and they they need to do work that is traditionally or that is the teacher, the curriculum instructs it to be done as a group, and they're only one person. So here, very simple, to sign up or to register with other homeschooling parents, other home educators, and to work together to teach uh, for, for, the, for the children to work in groups with people who are similar to them. And likewise, when we say homeschooling, who said that this means that there are no social gatherings? And this is also a misconception and a shubha that people have about this, that homeschooling means there should be no uh, social gatherings take our children to so, as many social gatherings as, as we would like as parents, but we are going to choose those social gatherings. Like the mother of Imam Malik chose the gathering of Rabi'ah bin Abi Abdurrahman for him to go to, to learn. That's where I want you to learn your social skills. I want you to go there and sit there. There will be other children there that you can learn from, you can sit from, you can make friends with, you can talk to. There will be adults there as well that you can learn from. You go there and you sit, but you're going to be in an environment that I think is going to be net positive. It's going to bring more of a benefit to you. Even if you're just learning adab, behavior and mannerisms. So this idea that, I think this idea of social uh, deprivation, I think it comes primarily, first of all, and a lot of times it comes from the non-Muslims, but even if it didn't, and it comes from a misconception that homeschooling means your children don't socialize. 
That's not the case. It means that you as a parent have greater control over and decision making in where and how your children socialize. So it could be that we go to the masjid or it could be that we go to another homeschooling forum with similar with children of similar, you know, in a similar situation. Or it could be that we uh, socialize within our families and our family structure. And this is, of course, another major way. We're talking about tarbi at the end of the day. It's another major way in which children learn from the, the, the family gatherings that take place within the family. Uh, and their, you know, their their relatives mixing with their relatives and so on, seeing how their parents behave. It's all from the means of developing the children in, in terms of their social skills. So I don't think there is any evidence or any delil either in terms of theoretical or even empirical evidence to suggest that children who are homeschooled are socially uh, inept or socially unable to 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 manage uh, the world. At large, in fact, the opposite appears to be true. That because they learn real important behavior and important etiquettes, and because their parents choose for them the best places to learn those etiquettes from, generally speaking, they're far more able to mix with people in a positive way, to be uh, to take part in group work and so on, and, and often more confident to do so. Um, and that the part of that is also that we develop these characteristics, these akhlaq within our children in terms of things like um, reliance upon Allah and then reliance upon the self. You know, the child develops the ability to work by themselves, you know, seeking the help of Allah and working by themselves, independence. And all of these things benefit when it comes to going into, you know, like say, for example, the world of work or it could be a university and they have to uh, engage with other people often they're the ones who have the role of you know, leadership and the ones who take the first step forward because of the confidence they have in their own ability and because their parents have not restricted them from meeting people for, for the last 15 years that we've locked the door and never let our children meet anybody. But we'd be more careful about who they meet and more careful about who they mix with. This is the first part of my advice as it relates to homeschooling. And inshallah ta'ala, there will be a second part where we're going to talk about things like qualifications and how do you navigate the, you know, the different ways that the child would get a qualification and get recognized. And then also talk about the actual day-to-day -day mechanics of how to teach the children at different ages. This is coming up in the next episode. And Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum. If you're enjoying these videos and you'd like to keep up to date with all of the courses we're going to be running, make sure you head over to amauathome.com.